raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your doing, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is the word of the Lord. And our sermon lesson is from John 1. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This is the gospel of the Lord. Our good Father, you tell us that that we're not meant to live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth. And so we just ask that you feed us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So if if you are just joining us this morning and have not been a part of any of the Advent services, we've been slowing down to, to look at these opening words from the Gospel of John. John knew Jesus in a deeply personal and intimate way, and he's writing this gospel account to paint this picture of who Jesus is and why he matters so much. But at the very beginning, there's these 18 verses that are set apart in this gospel work that serve as a kind of introduction or prologue. John is trying to distill the heart of everything else that he's trying to say in a very accessible way to set up the story of Jesus and to set up our response to him as well. And what we've been seeing is the simple message is this, that God's light has broken into our world to give us life. And what we're seeing is this morning is that underneath this movement, are three key critical sub-movements that make up this story of the gospel, this story of Advent, the story of, of our hope. And if you take any one of these three movements and you pull them out, the whole story falls apart. So for those of you in here who are exploring the Christian faith and wondering what it might mean to you, this is the foundation These are the building blocks upon which everything else rests. And and for those of us who who may have have called ourselves Christians and who have followed Jesus for a lengthy period of time, there is a tendency in all of us to make this shift away from the gospel being something that God does for us and the focus becoming more on what we do for God. And so the gospel is not something that we just accept at one time in our lives and then move on from. It's rather something much more. It's it's the fuel that energizes our lives. It's the nutrients that makes us grow. It's the compass that guides us. It's the ground that we stand on. And so as we look at these three movements, the call for all of us is to place ourselves fully in this story and in this movement of God towards the people that He loves. So this is the good news for us all. These three movements. First, the true light comes into the world. 
Second, the true light is rejected by the world. And third, this true light rejected by the world gives a new kind of life to the world. So, true light comes into the world, is rejected by the world, but then gives a new kind of life to this world that has rejected it. So, first movement. The true light comes into the world. So don't ask me how it came about, but earlier this week I found myself going down a bit of a rabbit troll looking into deep sea creatures. <laughs> so as, as far as rabbit holes go on the internet, um, this was a fairly safe one. So in case you don't know, there are some pretty strange and creepy things that live way below the ocean surface. So if you go deep, uh, a mile below uh, sea level, it's an area commonly known as the, the dark zone or, or the midnight zone. And, and even at this depth, there is still life that's there. And one of the creatures um, that lives down there is called the anglerfish. And you may have seen this in, in some cartoons or different movies, but they're there are these round-shaped fish with, with long, razor-sharp teeth. But out, out of the tops of their heads, there's this kind of lantern that comes out um, where at the end of, of this extension, there's, there's a light that hangs out there that's filled with a kind of bacteria that glows in the dark. And what happens is, is this is you'll find that, that fish and squid are, are drawn to this kind of, of lantern, thinking that, oh, here's something interesting, or here's something that is food. And as you can imagine, when they are drawn to this and we, when they go towards it, what they find is something uh, very different, that this light um, is not the light that they were looking for, uh, that this light has, has teeth and it bites back. So I was thinking about just life in this world. One of the ways you could describe it is we're like fish swimming in a dark place. It's dark and confusing, but all around us there are these different kind of lights that are shining. Uh, lights that are saying, this is life. This is what you need. This is what will make you whole. And we find ourselves drawn to these different lights thinking that it will, it will give us what we most desperately Need, But what we don't realize is so often those different lights that we are drawn to have, have teeth to them. And what we see here, the message here is that there is one true light that truly gives life. Look at verse 9. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So the anglerfish shines its light in the darkness for a very specific reason. Jesus shines His light into darkness also for a very specific reason. In His own words, John 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever comes to Me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Luke 19, I have come to seek out and to save the lost. Luke 10, I am the good shepherd, and I lay my own life down for the sheep. John 15, I am the true vine that gives life to all the branches that they might bear fruit. John 6, I am the bread of life 
Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall not thirst. John 4 and 7, I give living water. If anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. In John 10, most clearly, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And what we see in Jesus' life as it unfolds is we'll see this in action as well as Jesus teaches, as Jesus heals, as Jesus forgives, as Jesus sets free, as Jesus pushes against darkness. And He does this across races, across politics, across genders, across ages, across economic status, across health, across every barrier that we find ourselves divided over. The true light, which gives light to everyone, has come into the world. So that God looks at a world that has utterly turned away from Him and He plunges Himself into it and all of the light that He is in order to bring us life. That is the first movement of God on our behalf. And this brings us to the second movement. It would be nice that if if this movement received a very warm and welcoming reception, but what we see is something very different in Scripture. How can you get fired from the company that you started? And that was a question that Steve Jobs asked in a commencement speech in 2005 at Stanford University. And many of us are familiar with Steve Jobs and his unprecedented rise to just fame and success and advancement uh, within Apple and the heights that Apple has risen over the past 15 years. Uh, But many of us might not remember that there was a time where he was actually fired from the very company that he helped start. And he tells it like this in his speech. He said, I found what I love to do early in life. Waz, who's a friend of his, and I started Apple in my parents' garage when I was 20. We worked hard, and in 10 years, Apple had grown from just the two of us in a garage to a $2 billion company with over 4,000 employees. We had just released our finest creation, the Macintosh, a year earlier, and I had just turned 30, and then I got fired. How can you get fired from the company you started? So at 30, I was out and very publicly out. What had been the focus of my entire adult life was gone and it was devastating. It's one thing to get thrown out as an entrepreneur from the very company that you poured yourself in to start and to sustain. It's something much different and much bigger to be God and to be rejected by the world you created out of the fullness of your love, designing every DNA strand and bringing everything to life and to have this world turn against you in the most violent and hostile kind of way. But that's the story of our world and that's the second movement of the Gospel. Verses 10-11. through He, Jesus, was in the world And though the world was made through Him, the world did not know Him. He came into His own, and His own people did not receive Him. So the the true God came into His own world to His own people. The the long-awaited King 
is bringing life to people who are stuck in darkness and in death. And what kind of reception does this long-awaited King and Savior and Rescuer receive? From his very first breaths, he is already being pushed out because there is no room for him in the inn. Sleeping in a, in a makeshift cattle trough that holds food, the king of the universe has come for us. But the manger and, and ousted from the inn is only the beginning of this downward descent of God coming for us. So even shortly after his bo- he's born, before he can even talk or understand what's going on, uh, a price has been put out on his head. The, the king of the area, King Herod, is going around ordering all of the babies two and under to be killed. And so he's a, he's a wanted man from the time he's born. As his family flees, they, they become refugees, fleeing another country, going to a place where they have nothing of their own, hoping that others will care and provide for them. You fast forward to his first teaching, his first message in the synagogue about how he's quoting from Isaiah and it's good news has arrived. Do you know what happens after that first great sermon? They try to throw him off the cliff. That's a a wonderful start. That's, That's a warm reception to this Jesus who has come to save the world. From there, he was made fun of. He was challenged. People tried to trick him. He was even called evil, offspring of Satan. People laughed at him. People tried to use him for their own gain and their own purposes. And sometimes after miraculous works, people even begged him to leave. The more he helped, the more he gave, the more he was pushed away. He was sold out for money by one of his followers. He was denied by his closest disciples and friends. Peter swore three times to a teenage girl that he was frightened of, that he didn't know who this man was. He was arrested. He was falsely accused. The light that came into the world was beaten, was whipped violently was mocked as a pretender, would be stripped naked, would be paraded, would be nailed to a cross where he would fight for every breath. Because what kills you in crucifixion is not the pain, it's the suffocation. You you lose the strength to pull yourself up again. This is the light of the world. This is the one who spoke everything into existence, who said, let there be, and it was good. And even there, as this light of the world struggles for life in the most humiliating and painful fashion, how are people responding? If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. He saved others. Let Him save Himself. He trusts in God. Let God deliver Him. Let Him come down from there and then we will believe. He was in the world And though the world was made through him, the world did not know him. He came into his own and his own people did not receive him. That's the second movement of this great story that we call the gospel. 
But if the story ends there, all we are left with is a somewhat beautiful tragedy of a God who loves his people so much that he will endure so much. And maybe that is just the end of the story. But there's more. As we saw earlier in in verse 5 of this opening, John is very clear. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Brings us to this third and final movement. The true light, once rejected by the world, now gives a new kind of life to this world. So in, in the in the arena of fostering and adoption, there's a weighty process that is um, called a TPR, which simply stands for Termination of Parental Rights. And what this is, is it's a legal severing of all the rights and privileges that exist between parent and child. And there's many different reasons why this step is taken, but No matter what the reason, it always comes as a weighty occasion. It's always a sobering event. When it comes to the relationship between God and His people, between God and humanity, what was once a close relationship has been severed. But not from God's end. God was not the one who signed and filed the termination of parental rights. We took that initiative on our own. We got the paperwork. We filled it out. And we said we want to do life on our own. Whatever rights and obligations that you have over us, we want to live independently of you. And, And what we didn't realize is that we would lose the rights and privileges that we have as God's children. We we underestimated the cost that this would take. But here again, we see God at work on the move. God is moving in even as as much rejection He has faced. that, That rejection is another movement by which He is reclaiming His rights in our lives and restoring this severed relationship that was once cut off. Verse 12, But for all who did receive Him, to those who believed or trusted in His name, He gave the right to become children of God, children born not of blood, nor of flesh, nor the will of man, but born of God. Whenever an adoption takes place, the the storyline of the adopting parents is not, uh, this child has done some really special things to impress us. And then this child has actually made some awesome promises about the kind of child they're going to be for us. The things that they're going to do in our home, the kind of love that they're going to show, the kind of obedience that they're going to have. And I'm so overwhelmed by what they are promising and what they're going to bring into our family that we're going to sign on. Let's, let's adopt the child. The storyline of adopting parents is we love you. And we want to love you for the rest of our lives. We want to give you the full rights to being our child. We want to give you these awesome privileges to our love, to our support, to our protection, to our provision, to our guidance, to our resources, to everything 
we have. This is why John, the same writer of this gospel, says in a later letter, how great is the love that the Father has lavished upon us, that we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. John, who knew this so well, even he has these moments where he steps back and he says, this is crazy. Crazy in the best kind of way. That the God who who we've done all this against would do all this for us. But this is the hope of Advent. And this is the hope of the gospel. The true light comes into the world. The true light is rejected by the world. But then that rejected true light gives a new kind of life to the world. I want to close with just two questions. First, are we receiving or are we rejecting this light that has come to give us life? Uh, whether you are find yourself on the outskirts and are wondering what all this might mean for you, or if you've considered yourself somewhat of an insider for a long time. I think about this time in, in Jesus' ministry where as he was teaching, not everybody loved what he had to say. And people started leaving. And he looked at his disciples and he said, genuinely, are you going to leave too? And I love Peter's answer. For all of of Peter's boldness and brashness, here he gets it. He said, Lord, where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. Even with with those of us who have lived as Christians for a long time, there's a tendency in us to live more like abandoned orphans than like beloved children. When you think about the life of an orphan, it's, it's going to be one of fear, desperation, suspicion, guilt, self-protection, working for acceptance, and not being able to rest in anyone who is relentless about your good because there is no one. The life of a beloved child is different. It's one of peace. It's one of rest. It's one of joy, of trust, of freedom, of confidence, and reliance on the one who is always with us and who is always for us. So the question, are we receiving and resting? No matter where we are in our walk of faith, are we, see, are we receiving and resting in this light, in this good news? And second and finally, is, is this light the pattern for our life? Jesus says, I am the light of the world. But he also says to his followers, you are the light of the world. And what should we expect living as lights? John 15, this is Jesus saying, if they persecuted me, if they mistreat me, if they were hostile to me, they will do the same to you. Um, there, is, there is a tendency of uh, church in general and Christians in general, I think, in this cultural moment to be uh, very surprised and very defensive and even hostile when we are uh, rejected or made fun of or made to look like we're crazy. And nobody likes to be made fun of. Nobody likes to be rejected. Um, but when we think about how the light responded to that, what would it look like for us to follow in His footsteps? To take Jesus' posture in His rejection 
of one, not of hostility, but one of humility, one of patience, one of persistence. And what happens is in that kind of weakness has its own power to it that changes the world. But so often as the church, we want to take the weapons that the world uses and the strategies that the world uses because it looks best when we want to adopt those. And Jesus says it won't work. The way up is the way down. Giving, receiving. If the world was changed through the weakness of his suffering and death and the power of his life giving or resurrection, what should we expect in our own lives? You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand that it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before all, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the hope and light of Advent which is the hope and light of the gospel, which is the hope and light of your beloved Son, given freely to us, for us, always with us. Help us to see, help us to receive, help us to Savior, to savor, and help us to follow. In your name we pray. Amen.